This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Ah, we're getting close to game time now. It's Friday here on One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. And ready to rock and roll into the weekend as the Bills head down to Miami to take on the Dolphins in Week 3, their first division matchup of the season. Second division matchup of the season for Miami. And uh, we'll get to the injuries in just a second because they will impact who will obviously be on the field and who will not on Sunday for Buffalo. But uh, we have to begin here. Last night, Steve, Uh, a very nice night for you. Um, We all congratulated you up and down here on the crew. But uh, publicly, congratulations on being inducted into the 2022 class of the Buffalo Broadcasters Hall of Fame. Nice job last night with the speech. You had him cracking up. It was very nice. It, it was, was good. It was a fun night, and uh, you know, a lot, it was nice too because I had I had a ton of family and friends there. All got the crew was there oh, yeah. from the Bills. Had a ton of people from the Bills that were there. You know, a ton of people from West Her showed up as well. Susan Rose also who went in, who is a she's also connected with West Her as well. Uh, so they had a couple of people in. Um, it was a great night up at Samuel's Grand Manor. Yeah, nice yeah. venue. It was. Very nice evening. Very nice evening. Well, well executed as well. So it was that's nice. right. Steve, uh, yeah, was I think it was a class of nine. I want to say it if might I had have been more 10? than that. Yeah, a couple, two, now, four, six, also, eight, it was kind ten, of, eleven. Think about it. I got in. Um, you know, th- there was Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz went in. That's right. Which was nice. So they had the director of the museum in Jamestown that's come right. up, and she was she did a wonderful job, and it was it was a really nice night. Really yeah. nice night. You were all decked out. You even had your pocket watch on the chain. That was pretty sweet. That's my guess. I have, yeah. I, had... I like that look, man. Do you? Was, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. I have an heirloom pocket watch, but I've got it mounted on like a stand. It's right. like on a little brass stand. It's mm-hmm. a brass pocket watch. And it's like, my, it was my great-great-grandfather's. Really? And so on the back, it's cool. On the back of the pocket watch has the initials of all the men for each generation and my dad just gave it to me wow. last year for christmas so it's pretty cool so i saw that, that pocket watch cool yeah yeah and they got it working again and everything so right. it's kind of neat that's so what i, I just did got too. it on I, my dresser i got it working for uh my daughter's wedding i had that same yeah. thing going on and and uh it's kind of I a unique look you don't see that much anymore you, you know what i mean no, i'm sure everybody... i'm sure in 1880 whatever it was every, Quite the every thing, yes every tom dick was... and harry had one of those on now it's suit. A, obviously it's a nostalgic thing because everybody's got a phone with a watch on it right that's so... right <laughs> Yeah. So you really have to check your pocket watch? Uh, isn't your phone in your pocket? But it is nice, and it, and it, I, it adds something to So I, I wore that last night. A little extra flair. A little, little, little rose lapel flower. Yeah, that was nice. It. They had all you guys. It was guys, a really nice uh, event. Yeah, you had all you, all you honorees and inductees decked out with little, I don't know, do we call that a boutonniere if it's just a flower? Because the women yeah, had it too. It's not a boutonniere for women. Yeah, it's a boutonniere or a corsage for But the they women. had... Were they were all pinned up too, or did they have? No, they were all pinned up they too were with roses. Up too, yeah. yeah, very nice event, classy uh, event. I know Katie Morris, president of uh, Buffalo Broadcasters right. Association, does a nice job. It's a lot of volunteer all hours. To all put the those. people I do, I, I, you know, everybody always asks, but Josh wasn't there because I, I you know, the West Tour, all the commercial, <laughs> the people I do commercials with. <laughs> yeah, that was a with, good line. All the people who I do commercials with were there, and uh, yeah. <laughs> Josh was not invited to the to the dinner. I mean, you know, well, it was your night, not his. Right. It's about me, right? So that's right. Um, fun night, fun night, and and it was nice too because you'd, as you would imagine, in a uh, 
because you're not familiar with all the people who got inducted, yeah. right? And so, every, as you would expect with a broadcast industry event, they had video to accompany every inductee, yeah, and nice. it was very well produced. Yeah, very well produced. Some uh, some quality honorees too. A lot of names I heard getting thrown out over the course of the evening. You know, people thanking people that made an impact on their careers, that put them in the spot that they were as a Hall of Fame inductee. And I'm hearing these names getting thrown out, and I'm like, wow, I haven't heard that name in yeah. ages. Oh my gosh, that was, I remember. That yeah, name. I mean, I started it here in Buffalo. I was with I was like Rick Azar and Irv Weinstein and and Commander Tom. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, and then, you know, on the CBS end of it, I've worked with, you know, guys with Jim Nance, obviously, and Bill McAtee, and Dick Enberg was a friend of mine, yep. and uh, Gus Johnson, of course, I did a lot of games with with Gus, Andrew Catalan, I still do games with Andrew, Tommy McCarthy was in the, doing the Bills game on Westwood One Radio this yep. last week, yep. and I did a couple Said years with him. him. Yeah. Um, you go down the list of, you know, all the Spiro Ditas, and Kevin Harlan's a friend of mine, and, uh, you know, so... It, it takes. A, I, I was laughing. It takes a long time to get to a point where you can, where you have stuff on your resume that that they would consider. Yeah. So it was very nice. It's a it's a great honor. I was also we also got a couple of telly awards last night for the commercials. Some of the commercials. Do, yeah. yeah. My my wife Sarah got her was, name's on. Your name's on it because she's in one of the commercials. I I well when that happened when they announced that you were still up at the lectern there. Right. I looked at Sarah and I said. That was apparently that was an award-winning spit take. Yeah, <laughs> she spit on my head. Yeah, that, and it that was, was funny. Um, so yeah, it was a fun night. So and, and it was you know that was a nice surprise too that that the awards yeah. got it because the crew that does all those car commercials, which everybody in Buffalo is like, they roll their eye. You know, they're like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we're on all the time. So you know, and you just think <laughs> right. So well, people are like, yeah, you. And they had, and somebody was there. Oh, made, it's this guy again. They made a crack about me <laughs> saying the word vehicle wrong. So That's I used right. To vehicle. Yeah, right, right. right. So That's the Kansas. A lot thing, of yeah. well, a lot of people don't know it was mispronounced on purpose. Oh, what? Oh, yeah. Oh, bro, it was a I joke. I thought that was like a Kansas thing. Well, it was. But we we shot it both ways. Oh, and they said, you know, and this is a very. It was the absolute first commercial I ever did. It's like fifteen years ago, 16, 17 years ago. And there's the first commercial we ever did, and they and they didn't know who I, you know, the guys I work with now who were friends. Right, right. They, you know, they expected me to be this diva, right? And I was gonna, and they said, oh, they had this. Yeah, I could see them whispering to each other, and they go, hey, what should we do? And yeah, yeah, I don't know. So they go, hey, Steve, could you? They didn't uh, want to correct you. Right. They were they were like tiptoeing around. Me. I was like, what are you? Saying? <laughs> so they go, hey, would you? Could you do it again? And this time, could you say vehicle instead of vehicle? And I was like, <laughs> like, yeah, okay. So I did it again. And then when the commercial comes out, they put vehicle back in. And I said, what are you doing? I get. They go, well, we makes just, you more authentic. Well, they just thought, well, you know, it sounded like you. We just, you know. We just left it in. Yeah. And, of course, then. That's funny. Yeah. So. All right. Cool. Uh, we, we stopped doing that about but we're, 12 years we're ago. We're glad right? we could uh, be Fun a times. small part of that evening with you there. That was great. So, congrats again. Um, Thank you. Thanks for being there, too, Brandon. Yeah. It was nice. And, uh, and the, all the guys in the you know, control room, yeah. those guys were there. It was great. It was Appreciate gr- it. It was definitely a good night. Um, we have to bring you up to speed on player availability for Sunday. As you know, the Bills' injury list is a long one, and 
Head coach Sean McDermott has ruled out the following players for Sunday's game against the Dolphins. Micah Hyde, Jordan Phillips, and Dane Jackson. They have been ruled out for Sunday. I can tell you, and Bill's practice updates are presented by LECOM, the Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine. The good news is this. Jordan Poyer is participating in practice again today. Tim Settle participating in practice, as he has all week, as well as Ed Oliver. So with Jordan Phillips down, at least it seems to be trending in the direction that the Bills will get a two-for-one swap there. It looks like they're going to get Settle and Oliver back in the lineup, even though they are down Jordan Phillips. So that's big. On the back end of the defense, with Hyde out, there's a couple of scenarios that could take place here. And we'll wait for the Friday injury report to come out to know everybody's exact status, which should be happening. Might happen before we're off the air. We'll let you know, obviously, if it comes down. But we know Hyde is out. If we go under the assumption that Poyer is able to play, Jaquan Johnson would be the first safety off the bench to pair with Poyer out there in the secondary. If for some reason Poyer can't go either and they're down Poyer and Hyde, it would be Jaquan Johnson and second-year safety DeMar Hamlin. Uh, Two guys that have been in this defense know it backwards and forwards and have been learning at the elbow of Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, you know, since they got here. So um, I know that not seeing Poyer and Hyde out there might throw some Bills fans into a veritable panic. Um, Jaquan Johnson's, this is his fourth season. Like, if you got to plug somebody in, this isn't a wet-behind-the-ears rookie. Now, obviously, at the cornerback position, Steve, that's a little bit different situation. You're going to have Kyir Elam and Christian Benford out there on the outside how, you know, I together. Say, how, smart, how smart does it look that they got those guys in the first place that can really play and then have been playing them both all the time? It's like nobody's getting just thrown in cold. Right. They've both gotten respectable playing time each of the first two games, and not for nothing – They've made some plays. Yes. Like pass breakups, tackles, good for coverage, losses. tackles, not, not only in pass coverage, but in the run front. Yeah. Um, that play by Benford last week, he sheds the tight end, gets outside leverage, and makes the tackle on Henry by himself out in space and holds him shy of the first down marker. Uh, it was a nice play. Um, yeah, this is, I think this is the play right here. Yeah. And, yeah, it gets him out. I mean, really, really nice play by Benford. It's just one of a handful that he and Elam have made over the course of the first two weeks. So I think the guys that, if they are asked to play, they are chomping at the bit. And I'm talking about the safeties. We know the corners are going to be out there for sure. Johnson's going to be out there. Whether Hamlin's on the field is based on Poyer's status for Sunday. So we'll just have to wait and see on that. Other good news, looks like Milano's good to go. He's been practicing uh, full go all week. He had a stinger in last week's game, but he's apparently okay. So that's good news. And Mitch Morse has been practicing all week. We remember he kind of went out with that elbow injury, came back into the game late last week. So all signs are pointing to him being okay to go. So And Gabe Davis basically told the media yesterday, when asked about how optimistic he is about playing on Sunday, said, I'm 100% optimistic. So I think they're going to need to get a hook to get him off the field right. uh, on Listen, Sunday the, against the Dolphins. Yeah, the, it's 
Yeah, you, I like where their depth's at. The, you know, particularly the safeties. Those are, those are ones you worry about. You got two all pros walking off the field, maybe. Poyza, maybe. But if Hyde's not out there, uh, Jaquan Johnson and DeMar Hamlin, whoever may go. And let me give you an insight to what they're thinking. They love those. They love it. those guys are like brother. They're, they're sad about Mike and they're sad about Jordan and all that. But but this is a chance they've been oh, waiting golden for. opportunity. This is a chance they've been waiting for. Uh, Jaquan Johnson is really well liked by this coaching staff. They love the guy. He's been around for a while. They've been you know, but you can't get on the field. Yeah. Think about how excited he is to play against this offense on this day for this team with this front, with this pass rush, and the expectations you would, you know, have for yourself in that situation. I mean, it's just um, – it is an absolutely thrilling prospect for those two guys to get on the field and get on there together. They played in the you – yeah, know, we're seeing some highlights now of the Colts game, um, and this is Jaquan uh, Johnson's, Jaquan Johnson's interception. interception. It is – you know, a chance for these guys to play against a hot offense. They're going to gain some notoriety if they do get some turnovers, if they get all that stuff done, and for these young players to come out and really – and they know how tough it's going to be. I mean, they're playing against great NFL players. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. They're a handful. And Gesicki. They're a handful. But to come out and flex on those guys and say, listen, you – Let's go. Um, I'm gonna, they can't wait. Yeah, I'm going to add another element to the mix here as far as Jaquan Johnson's concerned. Now, he started last year when Poyer missed a game in week four against the Houston Texans, actually had an interception in that game too. But now he's going to start this year for the first time, and he's doing it in his hometown. Born and raised in Miami, <laughs> went to the University of Miami. He's played on that field. Now he's going to be down there with an old – untold number of family members and friends in the stands. You don't think that guy wants to show out? Holy cow. I don't know it's if there awesome. could be any more motivation. And, I, and, and, it's, and it's a division game against two teams that are undefeated. I know it's early in the season, but man, oh man, there's a lot piled into this game. Redemption for the Miami quarterback after coming back and, and winning a game and throwing lights out, leading the league uh, in yardage. Passing, yeah, passing this yes. early point of the season, you know, and finally getting a monkey off his back where he's, you know, he's been polarizing figure like Josh was early in his career. And to have that game happening in Miami, uh, the Bills rolling in there, not 100%. And there's a lot in this game, a lot in this game. And it's a lot of fun to think about the just the absolute spectacular opportunity it is for these guys, all of them, on both sides, the Miami players and Tua and Hill and Waddle and those guys and the Bills guys, Josh and Diggs and Gabe Davis and the whole the whole crew going down there. Uh, just this is a game. You can't wait yeah. as a player to not even – you're just a guy – I mean, you sir, these guys, they don't even – they won't even – you can't even keep them off the practice field. I mean, they're just standing out there. Yeah, and I will say this, too. Coach McDermott addressed the media today prior to today's practice, and after he declared Hyde out and Jackson out, he was invariably asked right after that, you know, what do you think about having to go in a little shorthanded on the back end of your defense? And he just – I mean, he responded immediately. 
I am very confident in our secondary, and I am very confident in the players we put out on the field. And I think that confidence stems from the approach that we know their players take each and every day. Just like you said, you can't keep them off the practice field, number one. He knows his guys are going to go in prepared. And not only that, he knows over the better part of the last four years, his defensive staff has been developing Jaquan Johnson to be ready for this moment and to play this much on the defensive side of the ball for this team. And the same goes for DeMar Hamlin. So, you know, whether he has to play too. And I think Coach was pretty resolute in his confidence in the group. So I know some Bills fans might be gripping a little bit, especially after watching what Waddle and Hill did to the Baltimore Ravens defense last week. Yeah, but. The Dolphins There's some out. extenuating circumstances there, and we'll get into them actually in the second hour of the show when we have Greg Cosell, a senior producer from NFL Films, on with us. Yeah, it. think about it. The Dolphins came out last week and threw it 50 times. They threw it 50 times. Yeah. That that's really stresses a defense in the back end and your, and your pass rush too. I mean, you um, – it says something about where Miami's at right now. They did, they just kind of abandoned the run game. They got down by you know. They can't this, do it. You, you, yeah, they they abandoned it because they were way down. They had to they had to throw it. Right, but they've even struggled to run the ball too, Steve. As we saw in Week One against the New England Patriots, they couldn't run the ball worth a lick. That's right, and it's and they're still they. It's a completely new offense. They got completely new. One of their players is completely new, Tyreek Hill. And he's Mostert is completely new, but it's a brand new offense. A lot of key pieces are new, and they you know they have to get used to it. They got to get their mind around it and get you know get to the point where it's second nature. And they're not there yet, right? Um, and speak- I'll say this too: they probably need you know they need some roster adjustments too, probably in the long term. Well, maybe, um, but yeah, they don't have it all lined up in a row yet. Uh, you know, it's week two of a new offense and. That wide zone running scheme that they execute hasn't it, – it's a proven system, you know, as we've seen with Kyle Shanahan and a bunch of other places, but it takes time to implement it. And here in week three, I don't know that it's all going to come together for them, especially when you consider the fact that they're starting right tackles on IR, Austin Jackson, and he is out of the lineup. And they've got Greg Little starting over there on the right side, his backup. And then at left tackle, you have the veteran Teron Armstead, who comes in with loads of credentials but has been nursing a toe injury the last two weeks and may not be 100%. And while the Bills are nicked up on the back end of their defense, I know one position group that is completely unaffected, defensive end. You're going to run those four horses, maybe five, uh, because this got lost in the shuffle last week, Steve. The Bills had, I I believe I'm right about this, they had all five of their defensive ends up last week. Yeah. uh, Including Shaq. Shaq. Yeah, that's. I don't know if they'll do that this week, but um, the bottom line is their defensive end position is healthy. Rousseau, Basham, and the and the yeah. Dolphins' tackle position is not, and right. so they're going to have to make some decisions based on what they're probably going to see on tape from the Bills over the first two weeks because the, that's a problem. The fly in the ointment for the Dolphins' offense is, from their perspective, has got to be. Listen, they've got no DBs. You know, they they got two rookie corners. Their safeties are are tatter in tatters. You got Taron Johnson's really the guy from from before Tredavious White got hurt. If Tredavious White was in there, you'd ha- it would be Tredavious White. It'd be Dane Jackson. It would be. Uh, 
Poirier, Hyde, and Taron Johnson. Now you've got Taron Johnson. None of those other guys are in there. Yeah. Save maybe maybe Poirier if he goes. So that's the, Miami's thinking. Okay, we might be able to make some hay. But from their perspective, you got Von Miller, Greg Russo, Boogie Basham, Shaq Lawson, and AJ Epinesa, and our tackles are decimated. So there's a there's the balance for both these clubs of what they're looking at. Uh, Miami sees something they can get, but they, they they see the apple on the tree, the low hanging fruit, but they don't have a step ladder. Yeah. You know, yeah. they can't reach it. Uh, Tua can't drop back and wait for those guys to get down the field because the pass rush should be and Bills should be good enough to make him get rid of the ball quicker. That's that's kind of the balance and the question mark yeah. coming into this game. And Leslie Frazier has done a good job in past meetings with Tua to close off his first read. We know it's a timing-based offense where Tua gets the ball out quickly before the pocket collapses and he can't see where he's throwing because he's so short. The Bills have trees coming in here on the defensive line. I mean, Epines is 6'4", Rousseau is 6'7", Basham 6'3". Um, even their defensive tackles have good size, So, with the exception of Oliver. So... <laughs> They have to rely on a timing-based offense. Um, and Frazier's done a great job of shutting off the first read that Tua has on a given play. Then he's got to pat the ball, look to his second read, try to get through a progression, and by that time, Buffalo's pass rush, at least as it's demonstrated through the first two weeks, is there. They're home already. Right. And, and that's what the Dolphins' offense is going to have to contend with. We should go around the NFL, which is presented by Collider Health, the official healthcare system of the Buffalo Bills. And Thursday night football happened, and the Browns hold on to a fourth-quarter lead this time after failing to do so last week against the Jets and beat the Steelers 29-17. Nick Chubb kind of controlled this game, Steve. The run game of the Browns was critical. Uh to them maintaining possession and putting points on the board. Um, he, had, he had a nice night. This night set football back 40 years. I mean, the Browns had one drive where it was like 11 play. They had one pass play. Um, um, and, they used ball control, and it worked. Yes, and Trubisky, and this catch right here, what, this was the catch of oh, the Oh, George year. Pickens. George Pickens made one, a catch in the, on the sidelines uh, for the – Pittsburgh Steelers that was the absolute catch of the year maybe catch of the decade so far it was sensational yeah they were running it side by side on social media with the Odell Beckham three-finger catch when he was with the Giants yeah in the end zone it it's on that level I'll give it to him yeah it's pretty impressive yeah but um, the Browns are now um two and one right mm -hmm. And uh, they could be without the collapsing against the Miami or the New Jets, Jets they could be 3-0. and But they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it's going to be interesting. And Mike Tomlin last night after the game emphatically let everybody know he is not making a change at quarterback. Right. The, we were talking about it even yesterday. Like, yeah. hey, if Trubisky does not do well, you know, you've you got 10 days before your next game. It's kind of a mini-buy. Is that the time to pull the trigger? And he said definitively no. That was his answer. Um, and here's the, the last we're watching this game. last play of the game where the Steelers are trying to lateral things and they're deep in their own end and the ball ends up squirting into the end zone and the Browns get a defensive touchdown, which makes I it, wasn't even watching the game, Steve. 
but in our um, in our fantasy league, our little studio fantasy league, <laughs> you got a text. I I get a text from Marty Baron because I'm playing against him this week, and he goes, "What a bunch of god!" I'm going to do my best Marty Baron imitation. What a bunch of garbage! Getting that touchdown at the end, you lucky whatever, you know. So I'm. You beat him because of the touch. Well, no, no. I mean, it's, it's we're just starting the oh, week. Oh yeah, we're just starting the week. I, mean, I got six points. That doesn't mean anything. And I mean, he's already sore about the fact that I got a garbage touchdown for I my defense a, at I the had end a of the night. Point lead on Marty before Monday. I'll try night, to get him for you this before week. the doubleheader Monday night, and I had like a twenty-six percent chance of winning. Mm. I had a, like a huge lead on him. And then it evaporated. Oh my, yeah, I had no shot at beating him. Yeah. Yeah. So he was all sore about me getting a garbage touchdown get there at the it. end. Um, he's got a better roster than me anyway, so it, doesn't, it probably will not matter uh, when it all gets totaled up at the end of the weekend. There are some veteran free agents out there on the market, Steve, that uh, people are looking at and in some cases signing. There's a report out there that Indomitian Sioux is drawing interest from several teams. And Sue says he's only going to sign with a team that can contend for a title. So you got to imagine that the teams showing interest right now are not of that variety. <laughs> Otherwise, he would have signed. Right. Um, Jason Pierre-Paul, however, is signing with the Ravens. And this isn't surprising because, Steve, I watched more of the tape from last week's game, Ravens-Dolphins. They had trouble getting home on Tua last week. And uh, Owe, who was their first-round draft choice, has struggled to get pressure on the quarterback on a consistent basis. So now they're signing Jason Pierre-Paul to help bolster their pass rush going forward here. Because um, they are – what are they, 0-2 now, the Ravens? No, no, they beat the Jets in the first week. They're 1-1. Right. One one. They're 1-1. One one. Going into this week. So – We'll see if that uh, gives them a little shot in the arm for their pass rush and they can get to the quarterback more frequently. Yeah, they that was one of the things that got them against Miami uh, this last weekend when Miami bounced back at, yeah. you know, being down three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. They, they couldn't defend the pass on either end in the fourth quarter. And I'll say this a little bit, and you, you watched the game condensed version as well. I watched it yesterday. I don't think there's any question the Ravens turned it off. I mean, they were ready to go home. Yeah, their foot the was fourth. off the gas for sure. They were in a little bit like the Bills were when Josh was sitting with three minutes to go in the fourth quarter or three third quarter. Yeah, three, with the baseball hat on. Yeah, with a baseball hat on, and, and Vaughn is taking selfies with some of the fans behind the bench. I mean, this is like early in the fourth quarter. I mean, it was one of those games. that The Ravens did that, and it wasn't 41-7. It was 35-14, yeah. and that wasn't It also enough. wasn't the fourth quarter yet either. And they yeah. thought the thing was done. Yeah, and it probably. And if, I got a bit. It kind of felt like that. If you're watching it, it did. But it felt like man, Tua was awful in the first half. Yeah, he was not good. And we got, you know, they ain't got. They don't have an, the Ravens told themselves they don't have another gear that we have to worry about. Yeah. Well, the Dolphins then did show another gear. And, while they took and it out ran of gear. past them, yeah. While they took it out of gear, yeah. Uh, it's OBL Fan Friday mailbag. So if you have any question on the Bills or the NFL at large, feel free to fire them off at us at One Bills Live on Twitter, and we'll be happy to answer them for you. Or you can give us a call at 803-0550-1888-550-2550. That's where we're going to go right now. And Ken in Lackawanna is going to lead us off. What do you have, Ken? Hi, guys. 
I'm an old athlete. Fifty years ago, I played baseball and basketball in college, and we had, for sprained knees and ankles, ice, elevation, rest, and that was it. What do they have now that's so modern that these guys can come back so soon? Yeah, they they have a lot of uh, modern rehabilitation t- techniques. I think the other thing that they also do here is what they call prehab. They do a lot of preventive maintenance and they do it even before the team goes out on the practice field. Like, you know, you have guys warm up out on the practice field and then they stretch to get ready for the more intense parts of practice. The majority of these guys have done some form of that or prehab in with the athletic training staff before they even go out to the practice field. Yeah, they they warm up just to warm up. So a slow start keeps them from pulling muscles on. Now, when you know, you're right, Ken, when you come out and you and you roll your ankle, I mean, you roll your ankle. Yeah. Uh, the the thing that has happened is, and I, once you roll your ankle, I mean, you can, and certainly different injuries have different levels of this brand new fangled uh, treatment that they do. Like a soft tissue, they've got electronic stem that they can use. They'll put electric pads on your at each end of the muscle, and they'll flex the muscle uh, without actually moving it. Um, they'll do. They've got a an in-house uh, acupuncture. They've got an in-house chiropractor. They've got a hyperbaric chamber. If you're not com- uh, familiar with what that is, it's a pressurized, oxygenated environment that you it's lay oxygen in. oxygen rich. And it's oxygen rich, which means it would be like, uh, like, a, like if you, this isn't for what you use for, but for instance, if you cut your arm and you let it and you didn't bandage, it was one of those cuts you didn't bandage, it was out in the air, the air and your body heal your cut on your arm. In a hyperbaric chamber, it's as the it's like speeds up it's that process. It accelerates the air, uh, the oxygen around the wound, and it heals significantly faster in a hyperbaric chamber because yeah. the oxygen is the is the magic elixir that does it. Uh, they've got you talk about ice and elevation. Ice is still good, but you haven't felt ice until you've been in a cryo chamber. Yeah, cryotherapy. Cryotherapy. That's like ice by infinite amounts. You're, I mean, in, it's you're like, standing in liquid nitrogen, yeah, basically. It's, it's like beyond ice. Uh, so, yeah, it, it makes everything dilate, right? Yeah. So, it's, And they have red light therapy here, too. Red light therapy. They have infrared therapy. They have, you know, the light, light beams that will penetrate your tissue to get down into and stimulate blood flow to areas that light usually doesn't get to um so all of this stuff that's about five things we just rattled off there all that stuff works uh when you have access to it and back in my day it was only you know high paid guys who really believed in that stuff that would even invest in it for themselves now because of the science behind it clubs like the bills invest in it and give it to all their players Yep. That's why one of the reasons the Bills are kind of a destiny. They, they want you to be the best version of themselves. They're going to equip you to do it. They're going to make sure you're taken care of like a high-end paid professional athlete should be. Yeah, that's There you go, Ken. That's, that's as, why they get them back on the field as quickly as they do. And they don't, of all lose, of and those they don't lose them in the first place as often as a they A lot do. of times that is the case as well. You're correct. We have to take a break here, but when we come back, more of your mailbag questions, either on the phones at 803-0550, one 888 or in the mailbag at One Bills Live on Twitter. Steve and I take a break. Back with more here in a second. Stay tuned. 
All right, back here on One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Want to remind you, we'd like to hear your tailgating plans for week three Bills Dolphins. Whether you made the trip down to South Florida or in the process of doing so, let us know what your tailgate plans are there. Recipes, food items, who's coming, the whole kit and caboodle. If you are staying here in western New York or you're a Buffalo transplant elsewhere in the country and you're going to be watching it from your home, we want to know what's on the grill out back, what's on the menu. Uh, let us know. Fill us in because it is tailgate Friday. What are you, uh, you got plans? What are you going to do? You're down there. I'll be down there. Oh, see, so see, I got. I'll be eating things. press box food. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Well, I'm gonna be over. I'm gonna be over in EA at the at the rink. They're gonna have a big wa- tailgate over there. Oh, really? So I'll be there for a minute. Um, then I I gotta be back here live post game right, with Maddie. Right, right. So we'll be doing that. And then I think I'll probably come over here after. There's a, there's a watch party here at the stadium for some somebody. Oh, I'm gonna be over here for a minute as well. So okay. I got a couple of stops I gotta make. But apparently you'll be making the round. Well, you here's the thing. I I gotta watch the game. Yeah. I mean, and it's like watch party people are like drinking yeah, yeah, and they're talking. Yeah, and nobody's stuff. I'm paying like, attention. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> I need I go, to hear what, what they're saying. What he's turn it up. What? You know, <laughs> so there's a little bit of that going on. Yeah. So I got to pick my spots. And luckily, where I live and over there, I can make it usually if I go like if I if if somebody's going to kneel down at halftime at, at inside the two minute warning, I can take off. It's. You know, they, and you can get here for the post-game show? No. I Oh, I can get here before halftime's over. Oh, 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 okay. I'm talking about the two-minute at halftime. Yes. So I come back, and I can get here, like, between – during the halftime. So I can make that happen. And then I can watch the second half. And then midway through the fourth quarter, usually Maddie and I make ready, our way yeah. in here, yeah, but and watch it in the control room or something. But, gotcha. yeah, that's all going on for me. And I the food is – I, I I don't have see the schedule. I don't have time to think about that. I got I de- I depend on the kindness of others. <laughs> right. So <laughs> yeah, so I get it. Right. So I yeah. But let, hey, you got your recipes lined up for this week. I know a lot of Bills fans just because they're you know the whole squish the fish thing. They they go the seafood route this week for their tailgating menu. So I'm just Did curious, you? you know. So if you have something special on your menu this week. Just send it to us at One Bills Live. I'd love to see what people have in mind. We had some interesting submissions last week. Right. We actually a couple of good looks. We got to actually recipes, thank yeah. a couple of people, Steve. We oh, got to thank right. Len and Deb Oliveri out that's in Rochester. Right. They heard us talking about bacon jam. They sent us four jars of bacon Man, jam. Two for you, two for me. I cracked mine open right in the right in the right here, and we all tried it. The maple bacon onion was outstanding. That was really good. Outstanding. The bourbon bacon bacon jam jam was that'll put hair on your chest, bro. I was intoxic- I don't think you can I was drive. Yeah, I don't think you can drive after yeah. eating that. You blow. You'll blow an you know point oh two if you have <laughs> the. It's, it's yeah. It's got bourbon in it. It oh, it's, it does. It, bourbon is the first word in the recipe for and, good reason. Yes. So they were both very good, but that know. one was yeah. Woo. You take a big scoop of that on a cracker and. It, it's made, I don't know about yeah. you, but it was making my eyes. Yeah, water. you know how you get that little shiver after you like, do a whoop. shot of bourbon. It's hey like now. that's what I did after I ate that cracker. I, it was good though. Nothing really like good. a so bacon that, jam yes. spread to warm your. Yeah, the Oliveries over in Rochester sent that to us. That was good. Then we got yeah, uh, we got other st- we got jerky. We got Jimbo sent us some jerky, yeah. and uh, that was nice. 
So that was very yeah. nice. Appreciate you guys sending that out to us. That was very thoughtful of you. Unnecessary, yeah. but we gladly we you, gladly accept any yes, <laughs> right. Free stuff is us all day long. Um, I was going to ask you. See, I got indoctrinated very early. It was my third game. I think it was my third game as a Buffalo Bill in 1986. Week 10, I got here. It was at home against Pittsburgh. We win Marv's opening game. Awesome. Then we're on the road in New England. Uh, we get beat, I think, by New England. I blocked a punt in my first punt ever in that game. We come back and we lose. We come back here, and it's Miami Dolphins week. And I didn't know. The, oh, you didn't know about I it. I didn't know. Hmm. about Miami and how we were supposed to feel about that, right? So uh, it's a kind of a misty, rainy, cloudy, you know, it's week 13 of the – it's week yeah. 12 of the regular season, right? Okay. So it's, it's kind of – it's November, late November. So it's bad out. It's chilly, rainy, and I'm thinking, wow, there's not going to be very many people here, you know. This is going to be a rough game because yeah. there's going to be no crowd and stuff. And I go out <clears> – <throat> an hour before game time and already been there for one home game. Right. So, and it was a normal home. Pittsburgh was in town and Pittsburgh travels well and all that. So I'm walking down the tunnel an hour early and it wasn't called the mafia then, but they were hanging over the sides of the tunnel an hour early. Yeah. Slobbering. They were so like, they were so into this game. They were out of their minds. You know, just kill them all. Yeah. <laughs> Dutch, I hate you. Shula, choke and die. <laughs> I was like, I was like, what? I, got, I, was, I was like, I was asking, what the, what's up with this? I think about Miami. We were 0 for the 70s again. Some people hate him. And Don Shula's, you know, da, da, da. of his day, Don Shula was the Bill Belichick of his day, right? That's right. And it was like, eh. So I was like, "Oh gosh!" And that was—I guess I better embody this. Yeah, I guess okay, better, better strap it up. <laughs> That's the one too. I'd been there for two weeks, and I was back to open. I was at the scoreboard end, home side. We had two deep guys back then, and I'm for back the kickoff, there. Kickoff, you're talking. And about. the first row of the stadium, you know, the, my, the guy, the Bills fans are in the front row of the stadium, and I, you know, I've been there two weeks. Yeah, and they show up, and they're like, Tasker. Who are you? <laughs> what? What? I literally, I think the guy literally says, "What rock did they find you under?" <laughs> right? Because you got to admit, it was two and fourteen and eighty-four, two and fourteen and eighty-five. They were one and eight when I showed up two weeks before this. Now yeah. they're two and nine, yeah. and we're taking on the Dolphins. And this guy's like, "What?" <laughs> So he'd seen We're some, pinning our hopes really, on that guy. Really. So he'd seen some beauties, right? <laughs> so I'm sitting there, and he's like, he's giving it to you. Not just him. It was a, you know, it's a his group, right? A section. You're right. So game takes place, and we're and and I have a pretty good game. I returned some kicks for like, you know, I'm having like maybe 25, 30 yards of kick return. I and you know, Marino's playing, so I had a lot of kick returns. I had, like, three kick returns, and I made, like, three tackles, too, three plays on special teams. So I've told this story a bunch. I'm, people are probably rolling their eyes. I go back late in the, same, in the game, the same second end. half, same spot. Yeah. Same guys. And I got I to hand it to them because they were watching because I did have a pretty good game, right, for, for a special teams guy. And they're going, Steve Arino. <laughs> <laughs> 
We love you. You are you are. Fa- we have watched you ever since you were with the Houston Oilers. <laughs> well, hold on a second now. That's, well, they, that's not the kind of research you could do in 86 well, they had, in the stands. They had a program. Oh, okay. Back then, you you know, okay. they go back and they obviously had paged Flipped through it. through. They actually, who the heck is this guy? Where'd they get this guy? So, yeah. They, they, <laughs> they changed their first tune. fans I won two over, quarters. right? <laughs> Steve Arino Steve is my favorite part it. of the whole Steve damn story. Steve Arino! <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, it was one of those where you kind of, you know, you kind of like put your head down, you kind of turn around and look like, who is Steve? Di- who Arino? is that? We're going with that. All you right. are deep in the weeds, right, bro. You've been called a lot worse than Steve Arena. Yeah. Uh, okay, that that's fine. <laughs> so that's my question. How did you? When did you get on this? My when did you realize? Because you've been uh, here for pretty quickly, a couple of decades. Pretty quickly, I, yeah. I mean. I started covering the team full time in '97, but I realized way before that um, when I was covering the team part time because I was working in the newsroom at WGR when they were news radio, and right, you know, just the people that work there every day right. that don't have you were, were you an anything. Empire? Uh, yeah, that was later yeah. for a short stint, but radio primarily early on and right away, like. GR at that time, which was, like I said, a news radio station, they had the Andre Reid show right. with Art Wander, <laughs> and they had other guys come in. And so, you know, Dolphins Week, is it, we, hate, uh, we hate the Dolphins. Hate them. Yeah. We want to beat them by 50. Yeah. You know, nothing will make up for the 70s, but we're going to try this week. You know, like, right. so, I, yeah, but I was, I was well... I was brought well up to speed on that whole uh, yeah, thing I was, right away. I was, I was absolutely oblivious to it until I walked out that tunnel. That, that is game. so funny. And they were, and they were, you know, it was like, it was like coming in after a win. They were ha- like hanging over the side, you know, yeah, well, they, over the side of the, just yeah. screaming. They were lubed up. So. <laughs> it's like, dude. <laughs> All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, though, it is Tailgate Friday, so we'll take your phone calls and read some of your tweets, see what you got in mind for the weekend. We'll get to that when we return. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. Time for Tailgate Friday, presented by Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield of Western New York, the official health care plan of the Buffalo Bills. And we're going to begin on the phone lines with Tailgate Friday. We're going to go to Nick in Buffalo, see what he's got in store for his tailgate. What do you got for us, Nick? Hey, guys, how are you? We're hosting the sixth annual Meatball Street Brawl on the street at uh, Mohawk and Franklin. Two giant TVs, 17 restaurants. All the meatballs you can eat. We've got beer. Uh, we've got uh, breweries there, wineries. One ticket price gets you everything, uh, and it's pretty fantastic. Are you guys going to Miami? Because if not, we need yeah, to get a judge. Yeah, I am. Brownie's so, going. I'm, yeah. I've got other stuff I got. I going know which too. But I, I'll tell you. Yeah, <laughs> this. Uh, yeah, this is. Uh, um, yeah, great idea. Because I'll tell you this. I I recommend. I highly recommend. Recommend. Excuse me. Um, if if you're a member of the Bills Mafia, watch it with watch it with your family, somebody, you know, watch it somebody else. Uh, unless you're one of those people that can't watch it with anybody else, yeah, then lock the door. But I'm I'm with you. Go out and go out and have some fun. Uh, this is uh, 
it really seems like it's going to be a once-in-a-lifetime season, so make sure you do some things that will help you remember it with yeah. fondness. Thanks for the call, Nick. Uh, we'll be sure to send people out your way. We appreciate it. Um, <laughs> that's Nick. He's got a restaurant downtown. Yeah. Um, so good for him. Uh, so they'll be rocking and rolling with the meatballs. Good for you. Um, let's get to some of the submissions via Twitter for Tailgate Friday. Jack says, I'm not heading down to Florida, but thinking we'll be doing a brunch gate. Mm-hmm. Blueberry maple sausage links, homemade quiche with bacon, ham, smoked gouda, roasted red peppers and onions, extra crispy hash browns. I got uh, Jack, you've got me at extra crispy hash browns because I'm telling you right now, Steve, there's no other way to really have a hash brown than extra crispy. Yeah, because if it's half done, Uh, it's not cooked all the way through. I'll say this. You get some pasty potato right in the middle. I I don't want that. See, I'm a big hash brown. Crispy. What do you think? What this or that? uh, As our buddy Marty Braun always does, is it? Are you a hash brown guy or a home fry guy? Oh, well, I, I got to say, I am potatoes no matter yeah, what. Yeah, I'm a potato guy. So I would eat either one at the drop of a of hat. Um, I would say probably home fries. Really? Yeah. The See, only I'm the reason, opposite. The only reason why, and it's a close race, the only reason why is because you can season the hash browns or season the home fries and you could also introduce onions, sometimes pepper and onions, if you really want to get going on it. Mm-hmm. So the home fries is kind of a little bit more of a fun surprise because right. some your home fries might be different from that guy's home fries. Exactly. And yeah. I, more freedom. I haven't come across a home fry that I don't like. So I like the surprise element of home fries over hash browns, which are pretty yeah. run-of-the-mill. I know some pretty people standard. put cheese on them. Yeah, you can do a lot with them, but, yeah, you get, it takes work. I, Yeah, I'm a, I'm a – But you're hash brown I'm a hash more. brown guy, okay. 100%. Not, now, obviously, I eat like you. I mean, I eat home fries a lot. Oh, yeah. But uh, Th- those are my, fact, I, most those, places That's now, my Irish roots talking there. Yeah, so. and most people – most restaurants in this region, it's home fries, not hash browns. Where I'm from, it's hash browns, not home fries. Oh, really? Back out west. So where my family's from in Kansas, okay. it's hash browns, not home fries. wonder where that line of demarcation is. I don't know. I, I imagine it's interspersed. Because you can find places here that serve hash browns. Oh, yeah. Right. Yes, absolutely. But, but home fries around here are the one are the staple that is always included yeah. kind of thing, right? Yeah, I would say more often than not, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, anyway, extra crispy hash browns, rye toast, wheat for the missus, and lots of Irish coffee, go Bills. All right, Jack. I like that. Nice Brunchgate. Brunchgate is good. See, for the 1 o'clock, too, you know, it's, there's something just absolutely glorious about the 1 o'clock Sunday afternoon game, man. Yeah. It's just, you can plan the whole day. You can get to church and back. Yeah, you can do, yes, church, fine meal beforehand or at or after or during you know you can just pick your spot yeah well it's just one o'clock on sunday is it's an almost institution yeah in its comfort level for most people drake uh says creamed corn pizza which consists of sweet corn ricotta parm fresh mozzarella bacon and basil holy mackerel that sounds good accompanied by baked lemon pepper wings on a rainy Sunday afternoon, go Bills, and 
says it's not unique at all, but the weather forecast is calling me to make chili and cornbread for this Sunday's game. Can't wait, and I want to know where you live. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm a chili and cornbread <laughs> oh, guy too. Yeah, Steve and I are chili fanatics. Yeah, we, oh, both of us are. Yeah, I'm with you, and then, and that's great. It's great hearing from people, and everybody's this season and this team is worth planning ahead for. It really is. Yeah, you don't just kind of show up and say, "Well, I'm going to catch the game if, on Sunday because I got some other stuff." It's no, you plan. It's this is a team you plan your day around, and good good for the mafia for doing that. It's yeah, and then this, good submissions there. I'll here tell on you what, man, the, tailgate the recipes Friday. all sound so good. I haven't had a lemon pepper wing. That would baked I'd, lemon pepper wing. That, yeah, that would pique my interest for sure. Yeah. Tailgate Friday presented by Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield of Western New York, the official healthcare plan of the Buffalo Bills. We step aside here, but when we come back, it's time to break down the X's and O's with the man that you know knows how to do it. Our weekly visit from senior producer from NFL Films, Greg Cosell. He joins us next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collida Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Here we are on a Friday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. And pleased to be joined now, uh, our weekly visitor, here to chop up some tape and do some X's and O's, senior producer from NFL Films, Greg Cosell, joining us. And when we have a suspicion that this might be the case, because, as you know, Greg Cosell also co-hosts on ESPN's NFL Matchup Show, did this one make the cut for the first block, Greg? Bills Dolphins. It was actually the opening piece in the show. Okay. Wow. Um, but I, I will say this, and I hope people don't, uh, you know, like turn this off. Um, you, you know, what we do on the matchup show is we obviously look for plays that we feel work against the opponent. Now, we can't always do that. So I ended up doing the game. But I actually did a piece on the Dolphins pass game because there's a play that and I'm not going to take credit for it. The uh, the guy I work with, my colleague, actually picked it out and it was just an awesome play. And and I think the breakdown is really, really good. And um, uh, so, again, I'm just you know letting everybody know it was not a Bills play because they just we couldn't really find one that we felt w- was truly representative of, of who they're playing against this week. Gotcha. Right. Greg Cosell's weekly segment presented by Scott Lawnyard, an official commercial site work partner of the Buffalo Bills. So why don't we start, Greg, with the tale of two halves last week in Baltimore for the Dolphins, who yep. seemingly could not string three good plays together offensively in the first half. And then come the second half, they go to the air almost exclusively in a comeback effort and look like a completely different offense. What did you see from yeah, one well, half to the next? I, I think there's a couple of plays you have to throw out, Brownie, because they were busts. And those were the long passes. The mm-hmm. two touchdowns to Hill were busts. 
they and they look they count and they give the yardage because obviously two are through for over 460 i believe but you sort of have to put those aside i i think it, it may make more sense in general particularly since hyde is going to be out and uh, is the assumption that the two rookies are going to start at corner? That's correct. Elam and Benford, okay. and then Taron Johnson's your nickel. Right. And by the way, he's a really good player, Johnson. Yeah, but uh, as we've talked about for two, three years. Right. Um, but, you know, I think that when you play the Dolphins, you have – and coaches coach against coaches, as we know. So they're going to look at Mike McDaniel's offense, and in some ways they'll look at the 49ers' offense because McDaniel – had been prior to this year with Kyle Shanahan in all of his 14, 15 years in the NFL. So there's the Kyle Shanahan stamp. And what is that? It's personnel, it's formations, it's shifts, it's motions. That's how he goes about attacking defenses. He tries to create favorable matchups doing that. Um, so if you're the Bills, you know, you don't want to get caught with two rookie corners and a backup safety it will likely be Johnson playing at that spot. Yes. Yeah. Probably. We're guessing, but yes. And I think he's. A, I think he's a very savvy player, by the way. Because um, as we discussed a, a number of weeks ago, it was probably during the preseason. I thought his tape in college was really, really good. He just is not a big enough guy, probably, to be a full-time starter. Or maybe he is in a different situation. Who knows how another team would see him? Obviously, with Poyer and Hoyt, that's not happening. Poyer and Hyde, that's not happening in in Buffalo. But the point I'm trying to make is, I don't think you'll see the Bills' defense react to shifts and motions. I think they'll stay relatively static, probably play a good amount of zone, maybe play a lot with split safety, because when you play with split safety, you normally do not have to react to the change in passing strength because you've got two split safeties. So I think you'll see a lot more of that so you don't get caught up in having to react to shifts and motions. Yeah. And if they and now if Miami does come in and run their offense, they run more play action than most teams. They run, you know, 39 or 31% yep. of their, their snaps are play action. What do they get out of that? I mean, because I know the pre-snap yeah. formations and people and motions and shifts give them some a tip as to what the defense is doing. The, what <clears throat> well, does the play action do for them? A lot of it is that quick play action, and it, it, RPO is reviewed as play action as well, Steve, as you know. Um, it's all built into the to what Tua does well. His game is built on timing and rhythm. He's got quick feet on his drop and set in the pocket. He's got a quick delivery. That's his game. Um, and, you know, I, one theory that I have, right or wrong, I don't know, but it's just a theory, is I think that, despite what happened last week with the bus and the deep passes, I think one of the reasons their speed is so important is because you're not going to see Hill and Waddle pressed very much. So what does that mean? It means that receivers routes will not be disrupted off the line of scrimmage. So if you're not disrupting the receivers routes, that allows Tua to stay in rhythm. And, and that's his game. Uh, he's really good when he can stay in rhythm. So I think that that's one reason the speed is such a factor. And, of course, as I said, they do a lot of shifting in motion. I don't know if that will be a big, big factor against the Bills, but that's what they do. So um, we'll see. But, um, uh, you know, th this to me on this side of the ball is a really, really curious game. What do you make of 
the Dolphins O-line to this point. They haven't gotten the run game going, you know, with that wide no. zone that they like to execute. They're, they've got a backup right tackle in there, along with Teron Armstead, who's nursing a toe injury the last couple of weeks and is missing practice time this week because yeah. of it. Um, the Bills' defensive ends are all healthy, and the Bills have shown through the first two weeks they can get home just with a front four. Leslie Frazier in the past has done an excellent job of eliminating to his first read, and then the rush yes. is there. Um, are you anticipating something somewhat similar to that? Well, I think this is an area in which the Bills have to win. And obviously the quick game uh, kind of, of offense does not necessarily allow you to get a lot of sacks, but then you got to get your hands up. You, you have to push the pocket early so that Tua is not comfortable. Uh, now, I think, as I said, that's an advantage for the Bills, their D-line versus the Dolphins' O-line. Uh, but so much of that comes with it. You said, Brownie, that they're going to have to have a really good feel for the route concepts so they can perhaps take away that rhythm throw. Because that's the last thing you want is just Tua to get into that rhythm where he just feels like he can hit his back foot and the ball comes out. Uh, but their D-line has been playing exceptionally well. They've got some length to it. There's big guys. Um, and I think those guys who didn't play last week are back, right? Yeah, yes. so Jordan Phillips is out with the hamstring, but it looks well, like – He's out for sure. Okay. Yeah, Settle and Oliver look like they're going to be back. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously Phillips has played well, so that's that's a loss, and he's a big dude and he's a powerful guy with light feet. So that's a loss. He's played well through the first two weeks of the season. But obviously if Oliver's back, he's got great quickness, and, and I think Settle can play more snaps and be a factor. We talked about him in the preseason. If, if the Dolphins' offense does play well, how's it going to look, and how will the Bills' defense look differently than it has looked in the first you know two weeks? Yeah. Well, obviously, the last thing you want to do is give up the explosive play over the top. The Bills normally don't do that. So let's assume then that they don't do that. Then you're dealing with those quick rhythm throws and run after catch. Look, think back to the AFC playoff game last year in the fourth quarter when Mahomes hit Hill on the in-breaking route and he ran, I believe, 64, 65 yards for a touchdown. Um, those are the kinds of plays you cannot allow. They're going to complete passes uh, and they're going to complete their bread and butter passes at times. The quick rhythm throws, those are going to happen. At that point, you cannot allow, allow the run after catch because both Waddle and Hill are two of the most explosive run after catch receivers in the league. So you have to be able to prevent that. You have to take the right angles. Because um, I remember that play last year I just referenced. I forget who the safety was. It was Poyer or Hyde, obviously, took a bad angle, and that allowed Hill to just turn the corner and, and race down the right sideline. So, you know, those are the plays that you have to prevent. They're going to complete balls. McDaniel is really good with his design uh, in, in doing so. So it's not as if two is going to go nine for 27. You just can't allow those explosive plays. Defense for the Dolphins. Um, yeah. on, the, on the back end, we know that Byron Jones is not a part of the equation. He's on the pup list. Nope. They've had yep. Nick Needham in there in his place. He's struggled at times. Uh, Xavier Howard's nursing a groin injury. He's probably not 100%. I know they like their undrafted rookie, Cater Kohu, who's kind of assumed the nickel role or comes in for nickel yes. packages. Um, yep. But on the front end, Greg, they're not getting home. 
and they're blitzing a lot, and they're still yeah. not getting there. What What is the tape telling you with their yeah. problems up front? That's been a big issue because last year – you know, one of the things that this defense has done, and they've still done it this year, is line up with those pressure front looks, um, which is difficult for an offensive line to sort out pre-snap because there's a six, seven guys up front, and you have to decide who's coming, who's not coming. How do you sort that out? How does the quarterback sort that out? How does the protection sort it out? But you're right. They've not been able to get home. They're not, you know, one thing is they're not winning one-on-one matchups. And, um I think that's look a lot of times you you show pressure fronts because you want to create a one-on-one matchup that you think favors you. And Phillips who I really like coming out of college has not been able to win on the outside. They're starting to move him around a bit, but they're not winning matchups, so they're not getting home. Uh, and that's going to be critical in this game because I think that you know, obviously if Josh Allen has time, uh, I think he can do some damage. Uh the other thing is I think the Bills and you guys know this, and it started last year, Josh has become really good himself with the quick rhythm throws. They do a lot of the RPOs. Um, they throw the ball to the outside a lot in their RPOs. They get digs in those reduced splits to the boundary, and they run sort of those speed outs off an RPO look. You know, they ran about five or six of them right. on Monday yeah. night against the Titans. Yeah. Really hard to defend. Yeah, the Titans kept giving them that, and they took it. Yeah. I know. I Just to follow up on that, Greg, the Dolphins in the past, and we know the coordinators the same, have sometimes deployed six, even seven DBs on the field at times. Um, Blitzing Josh, as we know, is more often than not suicide. So does their high pressure rate decline against Josh Allen? What what do you Um, think happens there? uh, No, I think they'll attack situationally. I don't know if it'll be as high as it, it is against other quarterbacks. You know, the question I would have is this. If you're Josh Boyer, who's their D coordinator, do you say to yourself, Brownie, look, if if they want to run the ball, more power to them. Let's play with 60 Bs. Let's play with 70 Bs. Let's stop the passing game. And if they want to hand it off to Singletary or Moss or Cook, hey, good for them. You know what? We'll rally up and tackle them. Because um, obviously this is a passing team. It's built on Josh Allen. You know, now it gets down to your philosophy of how you want to play. And I'm not saying they will do that. Yeah. I'm just saying that this team, you know, even through the first two games of the season, they've not really run the ball well. They've had a few runs here and there where you go, oh, that's a nice run. But this team is not going to come out and run the ball. You know, it, this offense is built on Josh and what he can do in the pass game. And Gabe Davis is back this week, correct? Yes. Right. Yeah. And that- so we'll see. I mean, you know. With the way this offense is playing, maybe it takes a coordinator to step a little bit outside the box and say, hey, you know, you want to run it? Feel free. And I mean, I don't want to make this, a, you know, go back 100 years, but Steve obviously will know this and it won't. Yeah, it just popped into my head, and it's not a great memory for Steve, but it's the Super Bowl where Thurman Thomas had 135 and Bill Belichick, you know, pretty much said, you know, not that he went into the game saying, I'm going to give you 135, but hey, if you want to hand it off, we're good. We're just going to right. stop all your big plays. That's right. And let me ask you this about Miami's offense. And you're right. The Bills are going to come out and throw the football. That's what they do. And yeah. it's up to Miami to pry them out of that, much like teams Correct. have tried to pry the Bills out of their nickel defense and can't do it. Take away the second half of the Baltimore game this last week. 
What's Miami's offense look like up to that point? Um, I would say, uh, you know, it had flashes and moments. Don't forget, Steve, that this is a new offense for Tua and, and everybody, not just the quarterback, but it's a new offense. And it's a very detailed offense. I was fortunate a couple of summers ago to spend some time with Mike McDaniel. And there's a lot of detail here. I mean, I, I assume every offense has that to some degree. But I know for a fact that Mike McDaniel has a lot of detail. And that stuff takes time. So, and, and as I said, it's not just the quarterback. But so they're going to have ups and downs. They're going to have great plays because the talent. Look, the speed is is remarkable. Waddle and Hill are explosive, explosive receivers. Um, so, you know, that's that's there on every single play. But I think that they're probably not going to be really efficient on every play. But as we started, Mike McDaniel is really good with his play design to create matchups. That's why I think that you might see the Bills defense be a little more static with backup players because we know Hyder and Poyd, uh, Hyder, Hyde and Poyer are so savvy and smart that they can they can do a lot of things that not a lot of safeties can do but you know you don't you don't have both those guys you only have one this week yeah right uh what did you think of the bill the bills only blitzed on three plays last week against tennessee Yeah, they, they've not been blitzing very much but they got a sack and two incompletions out of it um i'm intrigued by edmonds as a blitzer off the edge greg because he's yeah. so long and he, I mean, he blocks out the sun when he's within two yards of the quarterback. So I don't know. He intrigues me as a blitzer off the edge, not all the time, but on occasion. And I just wonder if there is a package that could work out very well yeah. for what he does well. Um, and, and who knows? Maybe they'll start to add that in just because he's so long and covers ground. Um, you know, um, I mean, I think the sack he made, um, which was the first play of the second quarter, I don't know, Brownie, I, I saw that as a run blitz and they happened to throw it, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, so, you know, again, uh, but he is very long. It would be a tweak to their defense. Maybe it's something they do add because the other factor is because he is six five. If you do blitz him, particularly if you blitz him in the middle, you know, if you're able to get him through, he does because he's six five, even if he doesn't get there, maybe he gets his hands up and right. and can knock a pass down. But right. um, you know, so maybe something like that. Look, you can also blitz him in what we call zone exchange pressure schemes where he becomes a fourth rusher and you drop a defensive end out. You know, you can right. do that too. So you're still rushing four, but maybe he becomes the fourth. Um, so we'll see. I mean, you know, it's I would think that there'd be something a little different in this game. Um, you know, at the end of the day, Tua is a short quarterback. He's probably in the six feet range. Yeah. So, you know, you, Bill's you defense can, I mean, has a lot of length. Yeah. The front the front. A six lot of defense, length. They yeah. got a lot of tall guys. What? Give me an idea, too, because we've been watching this defense and they have played extremely well. Yep. They've allowed 17 total points in two games. No points in the second half. To the world champions and the number one seed from a year ago. And one team was a high-flying, flashy throwing offense, and the other one was a pounded run game, and neither one of them had any success. How good is the front six of the Buffalo Bills playing? I think it's really good. Um, and I think, as I mentioned a moment ago, I think that 
every game I watch, what stands out is how aggressive and competitive Johnson is as a run defender, you know, the slot corner, because you can't play that way and defend the run, uh, you know, without Johnson being a factor in the run game. Now, as you guys know, I think it was the first possession on three or four snaps. They did play out of a base four three playing the rookie Bernard, but um, uh, that's the way they started. But that kind of went away because he only he I think he only played five or six snaps when all was said and done. Or maybe play late in the game. I can't remember that, but I'm talking about when the game through three quarters when the game was theoretically a game. Uh, but um, you know, so this week Johnson they'll they'll play 100% nickel this week, and I think Johnson is a major part of of their run defense, and I think he plays it really well. But Edmonds, I you know, I, I think Edmonds has to me. Edmonds has played well through the first two games this year. Yeah. Last thing, Greg, for me on the Dolphins run game, it it clearly has not reached critical mass yet. And yeah, as you mentioned earlier, it is a new scheme and they don't have all their ducks in a row yet up front. Um, Is that just something that McDaniel is going to have to wait on until he feels it's something he's, he can trust his line to, adequately execute because there's times where they're just whiffing in space um yeah you know they got you know hinge blocks or whatever they're not executing it just seems like a myriad of problems right now which you would understand through the first couple of weeks how long does he have to be patient with that well he's going to keep working on it because i i don't think that under any circumstance he wants to have an offense with Tua dropping back 40 right. times a game i mean Certain games play out that way, you know, even if you're not if you're a team that doesn't want to do that. But I don't think that's the way he wants to play now, because there's a lot of nuance in that run game that needs to be taught. It could take time. But assuming it works, Miami wants to be an offense that runs the ball. Mike McDaniel is not a just drop back and throw it coach. And I don't think he in, in any way, shape or form, Brownie, wants to play that way. Right. Well, Greg, I know on NFL matchup this week, you're leading off with the Bills-Dolphins. What other game on your schedule? This is the last one for me. What other game on the schedule kind of has you intrigued as to what the matchup will look like or maybe has a lot of question marks as to how it will play out? Um, I mean, I think, to me, Philly-Washington is is a really intriguing game. You know, Philly's been playing very well. Um, obviously, they, they're coming off a big Monday night game as well um, against a defense that, was pretty static, by the way, the the, the uh, Vikings defense. But I think Philly's an interesting team, and so we're doing Philly-Washington in the show. Um, obviously, Tampa Bay and Green Bay is, is a really fascinating game. Yeah. The Bucks defense is playing at a really high level. Um, they're blitzing a lot. I think they lead the NFL in sacks. Um, you know, they're getting a lot of pressure from linebackers, White and, and David, who are really good players. Their pressure schemes are interesting to watch. So that game, to me, is really fascinating as well. It's been a long time, but back in the day, we used to mention the uh, Tampa Bay-Green Bay game as the Bay of Pigs because both teams (laughs) were awful. (laughs) Remember that? That was a long time ago. But now they were in the same division. They were in the same division. It was the Bay of Pigs game because neither team could play. Green Bay. I remember that well, by the way. Yeah. Green Bay's got a lot of injuries in their receiving core, too. That's going to be an interesting factor in that game, too. Greg, thanks, thanks for Greg. Uh, all the insight. We appreciate it. We'll catch up with you next week. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks. All right. That's senior producer from NFL Films, Greg Cosell, whose weekly segment is brought to you by Scott Lawnyard, an official commercial site work partner of the Buffalo Bills. I'm 
I'm wondering how long it's going to take for that running game to gain traction for the Dolphins because it's not for lack of trying, but the execution has just been so inconsistent through the first two games, and it's put added pressure on Tua to make things happen for the offense, move the sticks, stay on the field, convert third downs. Uh, and, And Tua, by the way, has been very good on third down. As a matter of fact, Josh Allen and Tua are the two highest-rated passers in the league on third down yeah. right now through the first two weeks. So it's not like he's incapable of converting, but i got to imagine that's a burden that McDaniel does not want to a shouldering, um, especially since he's known. I mean, that guy was the run game specialist in San Francisco, right. and his team can't run the ball right now. Yeah, they've got no question they've got some work to do. We're seeing some highlights now that they did have some good plays versus Baltimore, and particularly in the second half they got it going. Uh, but if their running game gets going, they really are going to be an issue, a problem yeah. for teams, a real problem. So teams are really going to do their best to snap off the run game early, see if they can get them out of it, like Baltimore did, getting them down three touchdowns. You just got to keep a lid on those on that speed on the outside. That it's a it's a great compliment to have all that speed out there if you've got the running game. The Dolphins just can't get it consistently enough yet. All right, we will take a break here. When we return, it is the latest installment. Of Tasker's teammate. It's coming your way next. We'll see if Steve can guess which former teammate we're describing here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. It is that time in the show. The latest installment is here. It's Tasker's Teammate, presented by Wegmans Meals to Go. Delicious meals delivered. Download the Wegmans app today. Steve, are you ready? I'm so ready. So ready. Okay. Clue number one. I was born in the Midwest and had a high school football career, good enough to earn a scholarship in the Mid-American Conference. Born where? In the Midwest. Oh. Way to narrow it down. And I was an accomplished player at the college level, earning Mid-American Conference Defensive Player of the Year in 1982. 82, the MAC Player of the Year in 82. Defensive Player of the Year. MAC Defensive Player of the Year in 82. Oh, okay. Go again. Go ahead. Clue number two. Hold on. MAC. Okay, go. Undrafted by the NFL, I began my career in the USFL, playing first for the Michigan Panthers. and Ray then, Bentley. It is Ray Bentley. You are 100% correct. I was worried that would give it away. That's why I didn't say he was born in Michigan, because you would have got it on the first dang clue. Ray Bentley. So here's the thing about Ray. Ray was a great linebacker, and he says <laughs> – Shane Conlon comes, gets drafted. It's Shane and Ray inside for the Buffalo Bills. Right, it's, at linebacker. It's Cornelius and, and uh, Daryl on the outside. Yeah, great linebacking core, right? I mean, so. Yeah. And uh, Shane goes to the Pro Bowl, and Ray says, I guess I have to go to the Pro Bowl, too, so I can tell Shane where to go. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. The zinger. Wow. Ray Bentley, little known fact. Not a little known fact. Everybody knows it, maybe. Uh, identical twin. No kidding. Yes, Ray has an identical <clears throat> twin. And another thing about Ray is one time I was sitting there and I look over and Ray's doing a post-game interview. He's got, got a towel around him. He's, you know, stuff and all. He's talking to the guys. And, and I knew when I looked at him, it was not Ray. 
Oh, my God. It was not Ray. I look over, and the real Ray is in the, sh- in the showering. But his brother, Ray. Put a towel on? Put a, you know, like, stripped, put a towel on, and Ray goes, do it. So he did it. Oh, my God. How about that? True story. That is fantastic. Because I could tell, you know, I, they were identical twins, but, you know. His brother I knew probably it. wasn't as jacked up as he was. It was right? just different. Yeah, you just whatever subtle differences there was, I you could tell maybe the haircut. I don't know. That is outstanding. And Ray g- didn't want to, you know, he didn't want to do the media thing. So go he sent us some questions. Go, for an, me. go do this for me and, and throw out throw out three or four cliches, and we'll be good. That is fantastic. That is a true story. Um, yeah, Ray's time here in Buffalo as a Bills player was before my time here, but. As you know, he later was the head coach of the Buffalo Destroyers in the Arena yes. Football League, and I was doing play-by-play for the team at that time. So Ray and I would have to talk every week. That guy's a cut-up, man. Like he's, Oh, he's a riot. Oh, my gosh. He's a riot. Uh, wore Zubaz <laughs> on the sidelines of his arena game. Arena games. <laughs> or, or short, you know, shorts or whatever. Yeah, he, oh, shorts. he didn't care. He did not. I, he I was can assure not you he did fashion, not care. He was not a fashionista. But uh, what a great player and uh, – it was a good, he did, good Buffalo Bill. He kind of had a similar path to you. He did some broadcasting after he was done playing. Yeah, he was doing Mac games. He did was doing games here at UB, Fox. Yeah, he's and he still may be, for all I know. I, I do not know. I but. believe, from what I could find, to put together some of these clues, um, he was most recently coaching at the high school level in his native Michigan. So... He uh, he and his I can't remember his oh man now his, I just had his wife's name but they had I think they had they were one of the few people that had more kids than my wife and I they had six kids I think oh wow um, busy 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 yeah. Um, yeah so for those that don't Great remember family. Ray signed with the Bills the same year Steve got here in '86 played in 13 games made seven starts full time starter in '88 and was a starter for the next three seasons '88 '89 '90. Mm-hmm. Um, after the 91 season, he moved on from the Bills, played for Cincinnati in 92. And then, as I said, he got into broadcasting just like you did after his career was over um, before coaching the Destroyers yeah. in the Arena League. Came back to Buffalo and did that. He was there for for a minute. So it was three seasons he did that. And uh, Ray was here. Ray was a new player when I had got here. He, I, he, To me, he was – he may as well have been here for a decade. I didn't know anybody, yeah. right? So, uh, But he was here when I got here. He was one of, and he told me this story. He goes, Marv and Bill Poling were trying to get him to play for the Chicago Blitz in the USFL. Oh, okay. And he ended up going to the Michigan Panthers in the USFL. Right. He played, and then, he played for the Panthers for right. two years and then the Oakland Invaders for one. Right. And then he ends up in Buffalo with Hank Buller and that crew, and Marv and Bill get the jobs. Oh. And here he is already here. And after they'd tried to get him to, to, to come over, so he's like, hey, good that to see you That worked out guys. well yeah, for worked him. Out. They ended up together anyway. Worked out well for him, for sure. All right, so Ray Bentley, your latest answer for Tasker's teammate, presented by Wegmans Meals to Go. Delicious meals delivered. Download the Wegmans app today. We do want to get to some more of the fan mailbag questions. And we go to Nick. Who, said, who asks, do you think we go mainly zone on defense so we don't put pressure on our secondary to keep up with Tyreek and Waddle in man coverage? Um, I think that's a decent bet, but that doesn't mean yeah. you're going to be zoned the whole game. Uh, Coach Frazier yeah. does like to mix it up to keep the opposing offense off 
you know, off uh, guard a little bit. And so I'm sure they'll be like probably man off, but you know what I mean? Like it's yeah, not going to be exclusively guys. zone all day. They will pick their spots. And when you go, man, you can always still double team somebody. Right, roll coverage over so, the top. Uh, or They'll pick – they'll try and get a handle on formation and personnel as to which guy's likeliest to be the number one target and maybe double him so that Tua has to go to his second option and then you get a little more time in the pocket and maybe you get him on the ground. Mm-hmm. That's – but, yeah, you're not going to go up and – you're not going to go up and bump Tyreek or bump and run Waddle either for that matter. So – uh, you can bet um, it's going to be unbelievable to think about this game. If the Bills can win this game with two rookie corners and a backup safety against those guys, yeah, I've seen yeah, they are a locomotive. Jenna, Jenna in the mailbag asks, how much do you think the pass rush will make up for what we'll lack in the secondary on Sunday? That's the key to the game. Isn't <laughs> Hopefully it? a lot. That's the key to the game. Because we're lacking a ton back there. I mean, we got – think about it. On a perfect game, coming into this season – Well, you season, said it earlier in the show. It's it Taron Johnson. And- it's Taron Johnson and maybe Jordan Poyer. Otherwise, you've, it should be Tredavious White and Dane Jackson and Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer and Taron Johnson. You may only have one you may have at one. most two of those five. One's going to be 100%, Taron Johnson. So, yeah, the pass rush needs to show up. It's the key to the game. They, they have need to, to get home. show up in a bandwagon. Yeah. The D-line has to carry the day to make up for what they don't have on the back end. Yeah. So your your question is is very astute, Jenna. It, I would argue it's the key to the game for the Bills uh, defensively. I would, I would agree. The pass rush has to make up for – the questions in the back end. And that would be the case even if they were healthy back there because of the speed of the wideouts. Yeah. Tua's got to go down. <laughs> Let me just do my best Al Davis. Their quarterback's got to go down, and he's got to go down hard. Yeah. Hard. <laughs> he's got to go down hard. Um, the quarterback's got to go down, and he's got to go down hard. Yeah. So there it's you the go. Brooklyn accent there. Yeah. Um, Steven kind of dovetails off of Jenna's question. So will the Bills unleash the blitz this week to help the secondary? I don't know if they need to blitz necessarily. Maybe. I think they might mix in some pressures here and there when the down and distance dictates. But more often than not, I think they're going to trust that their front four can get home because to this point through the first two weeks, they have. And you've got a backup right tackle and a left tackle with a bum toe. So for my money... It might be enough. You might, and I'm not trying to straddle the fence here, it might come down to a thing where they zone blitz. And what that is, and for those of you who know what it is, just bear with me, I'll explain it to the others who don't know. You, you play zone behind it, you only rush four guys. But you rush a different four guys than the offensive line is expecting you to rush. For instance, and I'm just saying, uh, Greg Rousseau, takes two steps into the pass rush, then backs out, and Matt Milano comes in his place in a different spot. And now you got an offensive lineman looking at Greg Rousseau thinking he's got to block him, and he's not there. So you got an offensive lineman who's not blocking anybody, and Milano's bolting up through the gap, miles right? An hour. So, but you got a, a guy in coverage, and Greg Rousseau is back there sp- taking up space. Those kind of things. Or you could do the same thing with Von Miller. You could do the same thing with Ed Oliver. You could same, do the same thing with any defensive lineman. Whereas you think, you know, the guys with their hands on the ground are going to rush the passer, and they end up being not quite the same four guys that are rushing as have yeah. their hand on the ground. So that might be a thing, particularly with a, an offensive line that's injured 
or it gives you a matchup where you have seven guys in coverage, still have four guys rushing, and hopefully you can still get home or maybe even get home a lot faster than you did because the offensive line's confused. That's an option to me because of the athletes they have up front. But by the same token, Greg Rousseau and Vaughn Miller and A.J. Epinesa and Boogie Basham are playing at a high level. Turn them loose, man. Yeah. And I, you can put, like, and we even saw on third and very longs the last week, they'd throw Boogie inside. So, yeah, you got three defensive ends in there. They had Rousseau and Von Miller next to one another. The, Rousseau yeah. inside, and that's how he got his sack. That's, yeah. So, they're going to, if they get into third and long, you can bet you may have four defensive ends on the field, two of them down inside, and just let's go. Um, if that's the case, you know, things are going to go well for the Bills. And, of course, if you can get them on third and long, it's always going to go well. Yeah. But that's the case. So you've got a lot of possibilities. And, I, and the question remains, too, how good can the Bills' pass rush be? Yeah. Uh, this one from Lou. The Bills are missing three starters in their secondary, Hyde, White, Jackson, and possibly some others on the D-line. What will the rest of the league think when the Bills boat race the Dolphins <laughs> 38-17 in Miami this weekend? <laughs> They'll be thinking, oh, snap. They'll be, yes, yeah, that's true. If the Bills boat race this team, re, you just gotta, the regular season is a formality. Mm. I mean, you just get to the playoffs. That, it's, right. If that happens, I don't want to jump the gun here, but, if, if I mean, if this game for some, I don't know, I think it might be, well, I think the Bills may just get in a track meet and just flat-out score them. But if they hold the Dolphins to 17 points? Yeah, if the Dolphins they are They hold under, them to yeah. 17 points if they hold with the all their injuries? To 20 points or less. I'm going to start kind of thinking. That, de- that line of demarcation is like that 20-point threshold. If you, if you hold them to 20, you got a chance to win. You should be able to win. If they hold them to that. I'm gonna, I mean, it's going to start looking like and the, then the Bears' 85 season. When they just rolled Everybody. The, they're, then it's going to bring it back to the conversation we started this whole week with. Is like, man, they're playing so good. Can they keep it up for the next four and a half months? Yeah. Because that's a long season. That's They're playing. They would be – yeah. I don't know if they're going to do that this week. I don't, but, yeah. I mean, it's fun to think about, you know. And, you know, we'll know more – we would know more about the scenario after we see the game and how it plays out, really. But, man, oh, man. If the Bills boat race this Dolphins team with all the firepower they have offensively and the way they've played in this lately, yeah, that's fun to think about. Yeah. Break time for us here. Steve and I come back to close things up for the week as we get set for Bills Dolphins in Miami Gardens, Florida, Sunday at 1 p.m. We'll be back with some final thoughts next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Building a game plan presented by United Rentals. United Rentals is the exclusive and official construction equipment rental partner of the Buffalo Bills. I turn it over to you, Steve. All right. 
Building a game plan for the Bills offense. For the Bills offense, I think the B Miami pass rush has been almost non-existent. They're 32nd in the league. I think this is the time when Josh drops back and takes his time and lets the routes go down the field. I think this is going to be a deep passing game for the Buffalo Bills. Josh is going to have time in the pocket. And if he doesn't, he'll use James Cook and Devin Singletary as outlets and let those guys eat. I think uh, this is a game where Gabe Davis, Steph Diggs, and Dawson Knox absolutely flex. Um, I think Josh Allen, because of the lack of the pass rush of the Dolphins, is going to cost him, and I think this is going to be a big, a big game for the Bills' offense. Bills' defense, Steve, as we talked about earlier, I think the guys at defensive end, who are all fully healthy, are going to really have to put a game together. They've done it in the past. They've gotten pressure on Tua in the past. In fact, he didn't even finish the game last year down there in Miami. The last time these two teams tangled, A.J. Epinesa knocked him out in the first quarter. I think those guys have to have a similar pressure mindset. If you remember, they hit him probably three times in the first six plays, and it changed his entire mindset. Remind him of that at the beginning of this game. Whether you got to manufacture the pressure yeah. or whether your front four can get home, do that, and you'll be well on your way to another win. Say it again. Their quarterback's got to go down, and he's got to go down hard. <laughs> <laughs> so that is building a game plan presented by United Rentals. That'll do it for Steve and I this week. Be sure to check out Steve on our streaming show on all of our social platforms with Maddie for Bills tonight after the game is over. I'll be helping out this week with that as well. Yep. Otherwise, we'll see you and break it all down on Monday at noon here on One Bills Live.